Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 91. This is episode 91. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray, also my boss. Ryan, what's up, buddy? <laughs> I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. No, good, man. Good week. Um, like I say, Josh, um, a crime was committed yesterday against humanity, against the world, and I don't know how that official in the Saints game can live with himself, but that was – it still hurts, he needs, man. He needs to be fired, honestly. He needs, he to, needs be to be fired and tarred and feathered, potentially. Potentially. <laughs> God, that was such a bad call. Was that was such a... Such I tell a you bad. what, though, Ryan, the memes that have come out afterward make me think it's almost worth it because uh, I have uh, almost gotten a hernia uh, a couple of times laughing at some of the memes that have come out. Well, the Ringer put out one, and I think I put it on my Twitter and Facebook or something, where it's like an old wrestling one. And, yeah, uh, I saw that one. That was probably I don't know if it was Goldberg or Brock Lesnar. I don't know who it was, but he's about to finish him off, and the ref comes and does him. That was that was pretty funny. That was pretty good. So, but anyways, Josh, you know, I uh, it is what it is. So we'll 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 press on, but. Uh, the only thing I think could make me feel better, maybe, is a little fishing. And so <laughs> that's why we partnered with the folks at Bath and Bay Rod and Gun. And that website, I keep talking about it. I was telling you offline, it is almost ready. Hopefully this week we are trying our best to get it ready. A few small changes to make, and we'll be ready to roll. And that's where you can register to go fishing with Josh and myself. Um, here in the next 30, 45 days, we're working on dates, things like that. I think we're going to do a trip roughly every month or two down there to Baffin Bay Rod and Gun. They are the official Yeti Lodge in Texas. You can find more at BaffinBayRodandGun.com. That's B-A-F-F-I-N Bay Rod and Gun. You can spell those unless you're me. So BaffinBayRodandGun.com. Link to that will be in the show notes. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show. We really appreciate it. And, man, I'm ready to go rip some lips. You know, I need something to take my mood off that same season. Yeah, man, that, that really sounds... Uh... Whew, 30 days can't come soon enough, or 45, or whenever. <laughs> I think, it is, uh, yeah. it, it, I wonder, will, will it be a little warmer, or are we planning on going out there when it's cold? Well, I guess we'll talk about that. We'll oh, talk no. about that later, Ryan. Well, you know, we, we did have a review that came in from Dylan D. Allen. Uh, he left a five-star review January 19th, and the uh, title of the, of the review is Best in the Biz. And he says, y'all guys are always deliver some exceptionally helpful information. Listen to y'all guys a lot on my trips to and from West Texas from Mississippi. Anyhow, y'all guys keep up, keep doing what y'all are doing. It's appreciated from my end. Hashtag West Texas Flow Hands. Dylan, I uh, really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Now, Josh, I see one on my end. It's called Great Content Five Stars, and it's got a bunch of letters in there. Yeah, um, yeah. I did says, that one last week. Audio seems to be improved. Audio seems to be improved. And I wanted to, okay, I'm, I couldn't remember if we did that one or not. I, I just want to touch that. We now have a producer, uh, Nate Hansen, who helps with the show. And which means if the audio quality is not good, you got to blame him. Josh and I are no longer responsible for that. And so um, we just take the five-star reviews, and he takes all the heat for the bad audio. And so that's it's a great deal for us. And um, I, I think that means we should only get five stars moving forward, Josh, because the audio problems, you know, they're out of our control. Blame Nate, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and because he's the producer of the show, anything you don't like about the show actually falls under his jurisdiction. So, um 
if you've got a problem with the show, we can get you in touch with Nate Hansen and you can let him have it. Uh, matter of fact, we would, we would encourage that. Yeah, yeah, we'll put his email on here. Send him a lot of <laughs> everything you got. All the hate mail goes to him. That's right. Well, Ryan, we had some uh, lots of articles that came out this past week. Stuff is uh, happening everywhere. One of the first things I wanted to talk about was the article that came out that says the first shipments of U.S. crude oil going to China since September. So, uh, you know, there's been the, the trade war talks going on between U.S. and China and tariffs, and uh, they have a 90-day kind of a, uh, a halt on those tariffs, and uh, they're showing that shipments of U.S. crude oil is going to be going to China. And so this could be potentially, if, if they can get this resolved, this could be a, a pretty good thing that, that uh, begins to develop this year. They're expecting China to begin using a lot more fossil fuels. Uh, and so the opportunities there, just the enormous population they have, uh, could, could be very promising for uh, Texas oil. Yeah, it's good news and all around. It's, you know, the trade wars, um, you know, they need to kind of be done with and, and move forward. We've talked at various points about the impact on oil and gas with the tariffs on steel and things like this. This is a good sign uh, because, you know, one of the things to keep in mind here is, you know, when you can sell your product internationally and all over the world to as many buyers as possible, well, the more buyers you have, the potential is the more often you can sell your product. Um, so if you look at it, you say, well, you know, the Chinese economy isn't doing good. Okay, that's great. Well, you might can sell it to India or Russia or, you know, um, South Africa or wherever. So the more clients that you can have, and, you know, and especially in this type of business, the better it is, you know, to because we're talking here, um, the oil and gas business is based upon, like anything else, supply and demand, and that supply and demand is tied to large economic factors and things like this. So being able to sell to China, getting China to buy it is a good deal. Um, that's why we always talk about Mexico. We want to do deals with them as well because that's just a partner right there. It's nice and close. It's convenient. So it's good news on all fronts, Josh, and hopefully they will get these um, the tariffs and the trade war de-escalated and done and um, you know get everybody back on the right track again. But I thought this was a step in the right direction for sure. No, we don't want to get uh, too premature in our celebration, Ryan. It does say at the bottom of this article, the White House has said that if China and the U.S. do not reach a deal after this stalemate, existing 10% tariffs on $200 billion in Chinese imports should be increased to 25%. So uh, that yeah. would be uh, – you know, that, Go ahead. Sorry, Josh. That would be a step in the wrong direction. Is all I'm <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the other thing is, you know, and we touched on this a little bit before – the elections, the midterms, you know, President Trump had the House, he had the Senate, and obviously the, the White House was all Republican. Now that, that, that balance of power has kind of shifted. And so, you know, I think I'm curious to see how he negotiates, if it changes at all, these next two years, because campaigns will start up. I saw just this morning Kamala Harris announced she's running for president. So that campaign cycle for the 2020 race is starting to start, you know, formulating second half of this year, third quarter this year. It's really going to heat up as you go into the primaries next year. Um, and so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Trump handles things like this with, with the shift of power changes and he's got to run for president in 2020. So he's going to have to get votes. And all of these decisions he's going to make um, the first two years, you know, weren't really going to be impacted by his, um, you know, his 2020 re-election campaign because he could change policy, he could do all that stuff. Now, as we move forward, all of that stuff will will be looked through a lot more scrutiny. And so I, I don't know if he'll change anything, but I'm saying that you could see a shift on some of these policies 
just because if he thinks it's going to hurt his chances of getting re- getting reelected. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, yeah. Speaking of some of this stuff, uh, more more Washington news. Ellen Wald, you do a podcast with her, right? And she she had had a, a, a really good article that came out about the uh, some of the Saudi and OPEC sanctions that have been put in place under the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. There were some uh, Spain's uh, called significant reduction exemptions or SREs that they extended to eight different countries uh, back in November that allowed them to Im- import oil from uh, from the Saudis. Right. And that is supposed to be coming up in May. They're, they're going to be expiring. And they're wondering, these countries are wondering, will they be reinstated? Will they be able to still import oil from from these you know, Saudi countries? Or um, is Trump not going to extend those sanctions? And so they, they're having a hard time planning for their where they're going to get their energy and their, their oil you know, after after May. And right. so uh, this is, I think OPEC's supposed to be reconvening around April. And, um, I mean, with the oil prices, this is going to be a huge determinant with where oil prices are going to be and, and really how the year is going to play out, I think, uh, that, that meeting in April. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about campaign stuff a second ago. President Trump has seemed to kind of tout this idea of low gas prices, which, you know, for us here in the States, we're like, okay, well, we work in the industry. You know, I, I always joke around, I like $5 gasoline. You know, it's usually good for business. Um but you know, he, President Trump has really kind of made this this stand on gas prices are low, and because of all his policies and things like that. I, I think when we look at these particular policies um, with the sanctions um, and his handling of the Saudis. I think that's where you're going to see him try to, assuming he, he keeps you know this current line of reasoning going, he's going to try to keep the gasoline prices low. I think he feels like that will help him probably in the general election in 2020. But so I, my 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 with all that being said, if I had to guess, I would say he's going to keep these um, these sanctions, um, these exemptions rather, rolled out because it seems like that fits the narrative of what he wants to do. Um, so I I know that it's up in the air, but if I had to guess, prediction right now, you know, been wrong before, be wrong again, is that this is going to be continued. Um, there was a lot of tough talk by the Trump administration last year, and at the end of the day, they really didn't do much on these things, in my opinion. So I think that's going to continue, and which means that prices, you know, will stay softer, if you will, because of that. Now, if they do tighten up, then the prices will rise because you're going to take them barrels off the market. Um, but I don't, know, Josh. It just seems like where where he's at and what's going on. If I had to make a, if I had to make a prediction, I would say he's going to continue those. Um, those lax policies, especially in light of what OPEC's doing with cuts everywhere else, he wants to browse on the market and keep the gas prices low. So that that would be well, my guess. You know, the, looking at the EIA report, uh, I didn't want to go into too much detail, but basically, what their forecasts are that crude oil prices will rise gradually, and they're going to average sixty-five dollars per barrel in twenty twenty. So if you that's brand, not WTI, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so it, looking looking at what they're anticipating, they're thinking that the prices are going to slowly climb this year, and and but they're not going to go up much. I mean, what are we at? Do you know where we're at today? I think close to fifty. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, I hadn't checked it over the weekend, but yeah, I got right here fifty four seventeen is where we're at today as yep. of uh, Monday morning, ten o'clock yeah, so, ten thirty. So it, my my guess, right? Brent, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Brent's at sixty two. WT has a fifty four. Just to be clear. Yeah, so my, my guess WTI is going to be up around 60 by April. And then assuming 
that uh, Trump can hold the cuts in, I think it might you know come come down a little bit, um, maybe back down to fifty five. Just that's my guess, but. Right. Well, you know, last week you mentioned, Josh, there's a lot of news about the narrative changing, and, and you've seen some more talk about that this week. And it, it kind of, you know, at this point, it's kind of curious to see what, what, what actually happens. But some people are, um, you know, theorizing, if you will, that the Saudis, um, they're going to cut back on drilling and kind of encourage OPEC to cut back because they want the price to, to climb to maybe 70, 75, somewhere in that range. So that when they, if they do their IPO in 2021, you have a couple of good years of high prices and then get maximum value for their stock. Now, Ellen, um, on Energy Week last week, said she didn't really, wasn't a real firm believer in that theory. But it is a theory that's out there. And so it's something to watch as we kind of go through. We've got the Chinese you know, tariffs and what's going on with them. You've got these exemptions for the um, with Iran. And you kind of got the Saudis and what they're doing. So there's a couple. You know, we always talk. Some, I talked the day about um, oil prices with someone. And, and I said, you know, how can you predict that? that this is going to happen. Trump's going to do this. He's going to threaten to take the Iranian barrels off the market, and then he doesn't. Or how can you predict that th- that Trump's going to do this or that you know this country's going to do this? And so it's, it's really hard to get a grasp on these things because between now and April, um, you know, we're kind of looking at, at we're, we're taking a snapshot saying, well, this is what we understand today. But tomorrow we could wake up and there's be news that radically changes all of this. And so that's that's the thing that, you know, we just have to remember as we move forward is, that's why no one gets these predictions right, <laughs> because you know there's just things that just make wild swings in the market or wild uh, or change directions, if you will. And so uh, it will be interesting to see. But I, I do think, like you're saying, it feels like the price will kind of slowly creep up, barring something um, unforeseen happening. Yeah, that's that's my my guess as well. There was a uh, our good friend Sergio uh, who moved over to the Houston Chronicle. Uh, he had a article that was released uh, last week. Uh, Pin Oak Terminals Expand Footprint at Port of Corpus Christi. So at Houston Pipeline Storage Terminal, operator Pin Oak Terminals is expanding its footprint. The company announced on Tuesday morning that it is buying 236 acres of land using the existing Pin Oak facility at the Port of Corpus Christi. So Houston Pipeline Company, uh, they're expanding out. They're getting 236 acres. So um, should be should be some uh, some stuff to to keep an eye on there maybe some opportunities as well that may should have went around uh around just some of the job opportunities that may come available but we've been covering this port stuff for quite some time and i think they're pre- anticipating that would be 10 million barrels of bulk liquid storage that can be shipped either by rail or tanker tanker that they're planning to um to accommodate yep no it's good to hear and uh, as you mentioned it's um the group is called pin oak and it's um it's a joint venture between, uh, I guess it's Dolphin, Daphne, Midstream, and Mercuria. 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 Yeah, I'm not sure if someone works here. Let us know. Energy Group. And so, yeah, it's um, it's always good to see more stuff going down to the Port of Corpus Christi because that's going to be critical. Um, you know, as we start to export more, um, you know, we got to have this port taken care of. So good to see outside investment continuing to go there, not, not try to go somewhere else. Not that there's a lot of other options, but uh, it is good to see it going there. Yeah, and uh, remind me, Ron, to go and uh, I need to dig in to see how what's going on with the Trafigura. I remember an article that came out like six weeks ago right. where people with the port were trying to stop it, and were against it. So that's uh, a note for next week. I need to go in and check that out because uh, we we need to be able to get this stuff exported. If if things do go well this year, we're going to need 
we're going to need that that capability. And not only exporting, but importing and widening those canals. And um, so, another one, uh, another article that came out, Ryan, about uh, let's see, the t- titled article is "Report says Texas oil and gas boom could spell climate disaster." Boom, boom, boom. We get one of these every so often, Ryan, and we we, we take it up. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, we we we've we've uh, we've kind of given a, a little bit of our feel, Ryan, for what we think about some of these things. And what's unbelievable to me is just the nature of the way the the evidence is being portrayed is so it's, it's dishonest in a lot of ways. The way they're they're writing the the article and the way they're um, distilling the the st- the stats. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was just to give an example, there was a something that I saw on Twitter the other day, Ryan, where there was a map and it was showing some of the, uh, the issues that had been caused by global warming. And it was showing uh, the floods that had happened in 20, from I think 2017, and it said it was 300 and something percent more than it was in 2015. And this is proof that climate change is an issue. The issue there, Ron, is that if they would have went and compared 2015 to 2012, that same thing wouldn't have happened. That mm-hmm. these 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 storms come in waves. Mm-hmm. 2004 was a terrible year, and then mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad for like 10 years with hurricanes and flooding. Mm-hmm. And then this year was another terrible year. But they're not being honest with the stats. I, so I'm not saying that we didn't have a rough year, and I'm not saying that that there's no no connection between increased temperatures and the the flooding. But the issue yeah. is that it's this dishonest way it's portrayed. Well, let's start with the let's start with the simple and go to the complex, Josh. Um, so the simple thing would be, you know, we talk about the Saints game. Well, the, the earlier go back six to seven days ago, the reports were that in Kansas City the opening kickoff would be like seven, eight degrees, something like that by game time. Mm-hmm. Now I think by game time it was like twenty nine degrees or thirty two degrees, whatever. It was a lot warmer than they expected. That was seven days out, and what I think we'd like to point to is that it does not mean that just because you can't get the weather right in seven days that you can't get any of the other stuff right, but it does mean you can't get the weather right in seven days. So we need to be, you know, about being honest, we all joke about how hard it is to get the weather right, but yet we think that somehow we can retroactively tell what the temperature was thousands of years ago, and then likewise predict where the weather's going, um... Um, you know, in this case, yeah, to 2050. And so that, when you talk about being honest, Josh, I think that's what's so frustrating is we can't get the seven day forecast right. Um, and, and you're talking here with numbers that don't even work. You're talking about global, the global warming, um, and one degree Celsius, two degrees Celsius globally. Well, what's the temperature of the earth? I don't know what the temperature of the earth is because it's different here than it is in other spots. And so are you taking all those numbers? You really get into all that. And I think that, you know, I think we've kind of made our point pretty clear. The thing I think we want to say, or at least I want to say on this is the report in this, this article does not tell us what to do if we stop oil and gas drilling in Texas right now. What do we do? Because if we want, if, okay, so I think we're, we're, we're fair guys, Josh, if we want to stop it, let's stop it. And then do what? Stop driving and turn off the power, the energy, no more electricity, no yeah. more yeah, cable I mean, or Wi-Fi. I, or... I read an article the other day about, here's an opinion piece in Bloomberg, and they said something about why the Saudis can't stop drilling for oil or something like that. It's like, well, yeah, because the world would end. I mean, if the Saudis quit, got off of oil, then, you know, you just take that many barrels off the market. You take our barrels off the market, 
it just we just don't function like we do today. And I think that's so. If you want to talk about this twenty fifty stuff, okay, great. My kid, I've got three kids and one on the way. You got four kids, one on the way. We all got kids, all right. We, I'm worried about twenty fifty. It is a concern. I might make it to twenty fifty if I'm lucky, but so it's not that I'm not concerned about it. It's just that I know what happens if we don't use oil and gas today. And I know you can't get the weather right in seven days. So let's have a very honest discussion, which means if oil and gas is disaster for the climate, if that is true, and it might be, let's just presume that it's true, just to get the benefit of the doubt, how then do we prepare ourselves for it? We cannot get off of oil and gas today and live. We just can't. It's just not practical. So you can tax the world to death and develop all this green technology that's not going to prepare us because if the climate is going to get worse and we have to have oil and gas, those two things are true, then we would need oil and gas actually to help um, build new cities, build new infrastructure, build more roads. So if the ocean levels are going to rise, let's just say, um, you know, in the eastern seaboard, and the southern seaboard, and the western seaboard all goes underwater, well, we all got to move inland. Well, we need more roads. We need more infrastructure. We got to have oil and gas to do that. So you can't escape it. I think that's when you talk about being being fair, being realistic, I think, you know, that's the frustration is we can, yeah, we can, we can stop it today, but, um, people who are using websites, well, how, how, how are you going to run your website? How are you going to do your paper? How are our listeners going to have jobs? How are they going to feed their families? Um, you know, and all of this stuff is never taken into consideration and that, that drives me crazy, especially when you can't get the weather right on a seven day notice. Yeah. And you know, there's a, Give a little plug here to uh, Alex Epstein, Epstein, Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. In the book, he talks about the predictions that the scientific communities made in the 70s, predicting where the weather would be 50 years from then, which would put us at 2020. Mm -hmm. So they made 30-year predictions, and they made 50-year predictions. They had estimates for how much fossil fuels would be used. We used a lot more. They had estimates for how much the temperature was going to go up. It went much, it went up much less. So mm-hmm. we use more fossil fuels, and temperatures increase less than they expected. So, and, and when I say less than expected, it was an extremely uh, inaccurate predictions put out right. in the 70s about climate and, and increased heat. So, not only do you take their inability to get the seven-day forecast, but you also get the track record and say, how accurate have they been? Assuming the global global warming and climate change, how accurate have they been in, in the past? And if you look at it, they have not been very accurate with their anticipations for, um, you know, their global uh, temperature uh, predictions for, you know, the next 20 years. They haven't been very spot on with that. And so before you try to put the whole world back in the Stone Age and take away fossil fuels, you know, in some extreme way, um, you need to you need to see if their predictions have proved to be noteworthy so that we should right. take those sort of measures. If that makes sense. Hopefully no, it makes, it makes perfect sense. You're, you're, you're dead on. And and I guess the final thing I want to say is, is for, I know for you and for me is that we're not saying we, we, we're not, we're not openly endorsing the mass pollution of the earth just to pollute the earth. I don't think we're, I don't think we're, we're saying that at all. Um, I think what we're, what we're trying to say is that, you know, humans do things that impact the earth. That's just a fact, okay? Well, if it, Just by breathing, then you could say that's a negligible impact, obviously, but just by breathing and walking and, you know, you step, you know, you could go very simple again. A human out in the wilderness is walking, he's flattening out the grass, and he makes a path, okay? And that's a very simplistic thing. We, that is impacting the earth. 
Will it cause um, the snow, the snow uh, caps to melt and all that stuff? Obviously not, but we do impact the earth. Likewise, the earth is impacting us, which is why we have houses, air conditioners, you know, and all these things, because the earth is, is causing impact on us. The weather changes, it rains, it sleets, it snows, all this stuff. And so, um, so, yeah, I don't think we're trying to say, Josh, hey, go out here and just pollute this thing and see how far you can take it. But I think we're also trying to be realist in the situation and saying, if, if you are right, which you don't have a good track record of being right, but if you are right here, how then do we move forward? Do you want to tax all these companies, which would bankrupt them potentially, and then they couldn't make money to use the thing that we need to do to prevent, to, to protect ourselves from the earth? Because we have to protect ourselves from the earth. Otherwise, I will, me and my fat self, will wither away here in the summertime. The final thing is, if you, I'll, I'll link to this on my LinkedIn. So you search for Adam your LinkedIn. Episode 160 of the Contra Krugman po- uh, podcast they actually break down this report and they break down the research from the Nobel Peace uh, Prize winning economist, I think it was economist, who formulated all this. And he talks about the actual implications of this. And so um, it's a fascinating episode. If you're interested in this stuff on detail from really smart people, we will link to that on my, we'll put in the show notes, I guess, episode 160 of the Contra Krugman podcast. And we'll also put it on my LinkedIn. Go listen to that. And that's um, more of the economic side of things. Awesome. Well, Ryan, we are entering into the jobs report, the Texas Roundup, where we go over different jobs and opportunities that may be coming available. I have a big one uh, in a second, Ryan, that I'm going to mention out in Beaumont. But uh, the first one is Kinder Morgan to kick off earnings season for energy companies. So uh, all these energy companies have to turn in an earnings report, I believe, by March 1st. Kendra Morgan is supposed to be the first of, you know, one of the big ones to release theirs. I think it was released last week. I searched for it. I think I found it. And um, so there is something where we're going to start seeing some reports coming out of these companies and how their earnings report was for the year. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it will it'll show us some good numbers and hopefully it'll show, you know, they're expecting even better numbers for the, you know, the rest of the year. Uh, the big one uh, is Beaumont picked for a massive ethane export facility. So Houston-based American Ethane announced plans Monday to expand an existing uh, Niches River terminal to support an ethane export facility with the capacity to supply about $72 billion in gas to China. So we talked about this last year. There were LNG deals that were made with China. This company, Houston-based company, is about to build a pretty substantial job the project also could create 1,000 construction jobs initially and as many as 200 permanent full-time jobs. That's from the Greater Beaumont Chamber of Commerce projects. So this is something very interesting to look at, and um, you know, we'll, we'll link it, and for sure it might be something you want to go and check out. Uh, so I was very excited to see this, Ron, uh, when it came out earlier this week. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful to see this kind of develop. Hopefully you know, none of this trade stuff and tariffs has any effect on on any of this hopefully this is just a separate issue and continues without any sort of hiccups or um, slowdowns final one uh, Kansas City Southern Railway lands permit to build new marine terminal in Port Arthur the Sergio has an article that he released here and so we'll link this one in the show notes I'm not sure what all this entails but uh, it is supposed to be, it's located on 200 acres between 
Texas 87 and Sabine Lake, and facilities expected to include eight storage tanks for heavy crude oil, light, sweet crude, gasoline, ethanol, and diesel. So uh, definitely something you might want to uh, check into. Uh, Ryan, uh, that is, uh, well, we got the rig count. We're at 1,080 for the day, 1,080. That's from Drilling Info. Uh, just pulled that this morning. And with that, Ryan, I think that, that covers everything. Yep, well, that does. Again, thank our sponsor, Baffin Bay Rod and Gun. We will link to that in the show notes. We're ready to go down there, Rips and Lips website is in the works. Final touches in, once again, hey, if it's not ready, who you get to blame, Josh? Nate. We get to blame Nate, and that's, Nate. that's just the thing. If you don't like he is now the head of the complaints department uh, for the Texas Guys podcast. So the beautiful thing is he will never get to appear on here either. So he just has to take it. It's just, it's just, he didn't realize what he was signing up for. So uh, any errors, omissions, whatever, blame Nate. He did not do his job this week. Thank you to the listeners. We appreciate it. And until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.